Aloha and welcome to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but nothing replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Do you sleep well at night? Do you wake up feeling well rested? Has someone you love told you that you snore and often far too much? Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about what that might mean and how would you be able to get that checked out. And we're going to hear about some new exciting devices that might help people who get a diagnosis of sleep apnea. So I'm joined today by Dr. Sri Harsha Vajala, and he is the Director of Sleep and Insomnia Center at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and Catherine Mitchell. She is a Certified Clinical Research Coordinator at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. Thank you both for joining me. Aloha, and happy to be here, Dr. Kozak. Thank you for having us, Dr. Kozak. Well, thank you for being here because, you know, a lot of folks think that, oh, sleep apnea, no big deal. I, you know, I don't have that. I I can sleep well and I don't snore. But if you don't know, if you're sleeping by yourself, you don't know if you snore or not. And if your loved one also snores, maybe the two of you just creatively have cacophony and not know it. You know, I'm curious, Catherine. Why should we worry about sleep apnea? Why should we even get concerned about having this condition? Exactly. Well, first, I want to go through what is sleep apnea. You know, our listeners may be hearing this and saying, Dr. Kozak, I've heard sleep apnea said five times now, but what exactly is it? Well, we really look at two main types of sleep apnea. The first or the most common is called obstructive sleep apnea, and that's where your muscles relax when you sleep and causes your soft tissue to collapse and block your airway. So you're you stop breathing for a moments of time. And then the second, less common, is central sleep apnea, and that's your um, instability in your body's breathing control system. Now, the reason why sleep apnea is so important is because we it can affect your um, sleep quality, and folks with sleep apnea, we see they wake up and say, you know, doc, I still feel so tired. And why is that? Why is it that I can't concentrate at night uh, and during the day? And then Dr. Vajala, who is our sleep specialist, um, he can go ahead and talk a little bit more about that as to what are the um, repercussions of sleep apnea. Sure. Uh, Thank you, Catherine. And you're exactly right. Uh, Obstructive sleep apnea is uh, very common. Just to give you uh, some stats regarding that, um, 34% of men in the United States have sleep apnea. In other words, one in every three individuals may have obstructive sleep apnea that is still yet to be diagnosed. And when it comes to women, it's 17% uh, in general population. So um, just just think about the um, uh, uh, the um, epidemiology here, the, the prevalence of sleep apnea that's out there. And the reason why uh, sleep apnea is important is not only it affects your quality of your sleep and thereby quantity of your sleep, um, it also has a significant impact on your health, especially the cardiovascular health, meaning um, so if if we go into some numbers, people who have sleep apnea have 60% higher chance of getting stroke. Um, People who have sleep apnea have 30% more chance of developing heart attacks and similar uh, risk in developing heart failure, irregular heartbeat like atrial fibrillation. They also have a high risk of uh, developing high blood pressure, diabetes, 
um, mood disorders. So sleep apnea basically affects many major organ systems that include your heart, your brain, your memory, mood, mood issues, metabolic issues like diabetes. And treating sleep apnea has also been shown to better control high blood pressure, diabetes, and decrease the risk of heart attack and stroke. So why do you think it is that not sleeping well has such a significant impact on rates of increased rates of stroke or heart attack or diabetes? I mean, you know, you're not really exercising or eating when you're sleeping. So what's going on that is increasing the rates of all these possible devastating consequences? Yeah, that's a very good question, Dr. Kozak. So um, so what happens when we sleep is naturally you're, um, you are resting, your body is resting, so your heart rate and blood pressure, they take a break from your regular day-to-day life and they calm down. But when you have sleep apnea, what happens is the airway behind your nose and mouth closes up on itself multiple times throughout the night. And each time it's closing up on itself, your uh, sympathetic nervous system or the uh, adrenaline in your uh, system goes high in order to fight the stress that is not getting air. So when this happens, your heart rate shoots up, your blood pressure goes up, and this happens all throughout the night. And this sustained increase in your heart rate, blood pressure, um, leads to uh, uh, significant uh, uh, heart attack risk and stroke risk. Stroke risk, And also, um, when these obstructions are happening, your um, inflammatory system in our body, the bad chemicals, they go up. And these chemicals will damage the uh, blood vessels in both the heart and the brain. And that, again, leads to stroke, heart attack. And same thing is true in pancreas, and that leads to uh, diabetes as well. So all that relaxation you think you're getting at night... You're not because your body's in this in this adrenaline mode where it's trying so hard to get oxygen. And since it can't, there's consequences to that. Exactly, yes. And negative ones at that. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about how do you diagnose sleep apnea and what are some of the ways that we're learning how to treat it. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we are talking about sleep apnea. Do you have it? Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, I got a lot of hours of sleep, but boy, I don't feel well-rested? Or do you get poked at night because you're the source of some significant snoring? Well, if that's the case, you probably ought to be tested for this condition, and I'm lucky enough to have I have my friends from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. We have Catherine Mitchell. She is a certified clinical research coordinator. And we also have Dr. Sri Harsha Vajala. He is the Sleep and Insomnia Center Specialist at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And right before the break, we were talking about why does having sleep apnea actually affect pretty much almost every organ system of your body if you're not getting enough oxygen and you need to have your body's always in this not relaxed mode. But I'm curious, let's just say that you're told you're a snorer or 
Maybe, you know, your loved one hears you gasping for air, waking up sort of choking a bit. What do you do? How should you figure this out? What are the modes yeah, of testing? Um, so snoring is the most common uh, symptom of uh, sleep apnea. It is not the only symptom uh, of sleep apnea. There are a majority of people who have sleep apnea have snoring. Uh, but if you don't snore, but if you are still not satisfied with your sleep and you're waking up multiple times in the middle of the night, that could also be a symptom of uh, sleep apnea. So having said that, uh, if if you have a suspicion of sleep apnea, the best way uh, to diagnose is by doing a sleep study. Um, and there are um, different kinds of sleep studies. You don't always have to go into the sleep lab and sleep there hooked up to a bunch of wires. Um, we can also do a home sleep study for um, people who are hesitant to go into the lab or who are busy with their lives or who have kids or elderly um, elderly individuals at home that they have to take care of. Or they just can't sleep in the lab. It might not mimic their usual scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, home sleep studies are uh, uh, very safe and effective. They are 70 to 80 percent sensitive in detecting um, sleep apnea. Um and when we do offer home sleep studies, and that that is the best way uh, to figure out if you have sleep apnea or not. And one thing here I want to uh, point out, uh, which I see in uh, many patients that come to see me, is um, whenever um, they don't have the classic symptoms of sleep apnea, like snoring or choking or gasping, they automatically rule out sleep apnea, which is not right. I mean, you may not have these symptoms, but you still have sleep apnea. And clinically, without doing a sleep study, we cannot say you don't have it. And as we've discussed earlier, it is very important to rule out sleep apnea because of its profound health implications. Well, I think one of the connections that's been made recently that is really uh, astounding is a lot of folks with atrial fibrillation. You know, we have these new smartwatches, and yeah. a lot of folks are wearing those, and it's telling them that their heart rate's irregular, and they're like, why is that happening? And the technology has become so good that most of the watches that you could wear, the smartwatches, the Apple Watch, et cetera, they actually really do detect if you have an irregular heart rate, and it's pretty accurate. So it comes to light when patients come in and say, hey, my watch is saying I've got a problem. You do some other testing, you're like, yeah, you do have a problem. So for that condition, you know, we often find that no matter what you do to treat the AFib, it keeps coming back unless you get to the underlying issue, which is, you know, in some cases, sleep apnea. And it also makes hypertension hard to treat if somebody's not able to tolerate the medication or even if they do on multiple medicines and they're still hypertensive. It may be because of this underlying issue. So now we have to go dig a little deeper because until you treat that you're probably not going to get the blood pressure under control. So what I see is this sequelae of how am I going to fix this? And it sounds like what you see is the origin of a lot of those problems. So let's say you do a home test and it shows up that you have you have sleep apnea. What's the next step? So So if you have it, what should you do about it? Yeah, so there are a bunch of treatment options, uh, the most common and the most famous and the most easy and I would say the most efficacious one is the CPAP therapy. Uh, CPAP is a device, um, uh, so it is a shoebox size device. What it does is it uh, pulls air from uh, the room and uh, it pushes it into your nose and mouth through a mask. And that pressurized air will open up the airway, just like how you blow up a balloon. Same thing it does to your airway. And your airway remains open and 
you don't uh, stop breathing and that's how you treat sleep apnea. It is very widely to uh, tolerated, but uh, there are a subset of population that cannot tolerate CPAP. There are ways which we can um, that we can uh, help them out to um, use the CPAP um, much more effectively. But despite that, there are some people who usually have trouble uh, using the CPAP. They may not like something being on the face, or they might be claustrophobic with the mask on the face, or they have dry mouth. So for, for whatever these reasons, usually the alternative uh, for CPAP um, um, is, well, uh, so far would have been uh, options like an oral appliance. An oral appliance is basically like a mouth guard that you wear at night. Um, there are significant limitations to the oral appliance. The main limitation is the cost of it. Usually um, the out-of-pocket costs are significantly high and it takes a long time to get fitted and then there are other issues that happen with that too. Um, now uh, we, I mean, uh, since the past, uh, uh, since 2015, there is this new technique that has been approved for obstructive sleep apnea, and it is very widely used in the mainland. Uh, it's a hypoglossal nerve stimulator. Uh, the name of the device is Inspire, which is made by the company Inspire. So uh, it is basically a, a small device, much like a pacemaker that goes under your skin. And what it does is um, Inspire works inside your body with your natural breathing process to treat sleep apnea. Uh, while you sleep, the device delivers mild stimulation to key airway muscles, allowing the airway to remain open. And this device is implanted under the skin uh, by a same-day procedure. And you turn it on with the remote when you go to sleep, and you turn it off in the morning uh, when you wake up. And that's it. It's a very effective alternative uh, treatment option uh, for sleep apnea. And it is very widely used in the mainland. And unfortunately, we don't have it here in Hawaii yet. Uh, but we are um, at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience collaborating with the Inspire device, and we are trying to bring it to Hawaii. Well, and it sounds like for those folks who the CPAP machine is just too inconvenient or noisy or they like to roll around too much or whatever the case may be, that there are now some different treatments available. And given the complexity of the consequences of not treating sleep apnea, it looks like we need to look to some of these other alternatives for those folks who may not be able to tolerate the previous treatment, that continuous positive airway pressure machine, that CPAP machine. So now this would be something that would help to treat obstructive sleep apnea. Would it also help to treat central sleep apnea? No. So this has been approved for uh, only obstructive sleep apnea and for adults more than uh, 18 years old. Um, it, it it works better uh, for a moderate to severe sleep apnea. Um, central sleep apnea has a, a different kind of mechanism uh, that involves the brain and the uh, the breathing mechanisms, which is not what the Inspire uh, treatment does. Inspire treatment opens up your airway, makes it more roomy, and it is more uh, geared towards obstructive sleep apnea. So with obstructive being the the lack of the open airway, there's literally yes. an obstruction, uh, the Inspire device would actually help to resolve that obstruction, keep it open, yes. help you able to breathe. Now, have you heard of some of the folks who have 
from some of the folks or heard about some of the responses that people have had who have used it on the mainland? Yeah, definitely. So um, there are um, a lot of institutions that uh, use Inspire uh, when um, CPAP is not tolerated. Now, the statistics on this are uh, very widely available. 90% of the partners of uh, uh, patients who use Inspire report no snoring. And when it comes to uh, the reduction in the sleep apnea events, 79% reduction has been shown. And even in my personal experience, I've seen few people when I worked on the mainland who had Inspire and they were satisfied with it. Um, they could they could sleep better through the night, no snoring. Um, some people uh, did complain of mild uh, inconvenience of uh, them uh, f- uh, feeling the stimulation uh, of the tongue, uh, but a li- with the little adjustment of the settings, it goes away as well. So a pacemaker for your tongue <laughs> <laughs> to keep it out not, of the way when you're trying to sleep. I would not like to use the term pacemaker because of the gravity of the situation associated with pacemaker, um, but it's... it's, it's a stimulator. A stimulator. A stimulator okay. would be the much palatable word. Okay, a stimulator <laughs> for the tongue. Well, and when when somebody starts to treat sleep apnea, how long does it take when you're treating them before they start to see some kind of benefit? I mean, I know for certain conditions, you know, high blood pressure, you start someone on medicine. Within a few weeks, you're going to see their pressure go down. They may never have had any symptoms, so they wouldn't really know that they have better pressure other than to check it. But with all the potential symptoms that we have for people who have apnea, how long does it take treating it before they start to feel different? Well, with the CPAP therapy, uh, you should be able to see the uh, results right away. The immediate uh, effect uh, that uh, people should be able to see is the first and foremost thing will will be the snoring will be gone. They'll be able to sleep through the night. Uh, They'll be able to go into REM sleep, which is where uh, maximum refreshment to your brain happens. And people will start remembering their dreams. And when you wake up in the morning, you should feel much more refreshed and have much more energy during the daytime. These are the immediate effects that you will see within the first use. For some people, it takes three days, four days, but by one week or two weeks, almost 99% of people should see these benefits. In the long term, uh, it may take a few weeks uh, to months to notice the the drop in blood pressure, the better control of blood sugars. There are people who are able to take less number of blood pressure medications once their sleep apnea gets um, under control. Wow, all those things sound like things that I want. <laughs> all right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about the importance of identifying and accurately treating sleep apnea and what are some of the ways that maybe in the future we'll find even more discoveries and how to treat that and make people feel more comfortable, energetic, and all those other positive effects you mentioned. Sounds good to me. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we're talking about sleep apnea. Why is it important to know if you have this, and what are some of the benefits of treating it? I'm here with Dr. Sriharsha Vijala. He is the Director of Sleep and Insomnia Center of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and Catherine Mitchell. She is a Certified Clinical Research Coordinator at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And right before the break, we were talking about new treatments for sleep apnea. So there's a device inspired that is not your traditional CPAP machine, may not be the dental device or advancement, mandibular advancement device, I think technically it's called, yes. that some dentists will be able to provide, but is another option for the treatment of sleep apnea. And we're talking about some of the success rates and how quickly you might notice a benefit. And I'm curious, Catherine, you've had some contact with some of the folks on the mainland who who have a lot of experience with this particular device. Is it something that is easy, if we get it here in the islands, is it easy to access and insurance covered and all those sorts of good things? I'm happy to say, yes, it is. All the insurance companies um, do take the Inspire. And um, for here at HPN, we do take all Hawaii insurances. Um, so if you are interested, please just give us a call at 261-4476. And then we'll be able to get you connected with our sleep specialist, Dr. Vajala, here at the Sleep and Insomnia Center. And really for us, it's all about providing access to Hawaii. This treatment is already offered on the mainland since 2015. And we're thrilled to be able to bring it to our islands. So everybody else has it. We need to have it if it's something that works so well and there's such a good response to it. I'm curious, you know, Dr. Vajala, we've we've started off with, hey, you have obstruction, so we give you a mask with pressure. And and then also if your if your jaw sort of goes backwards, we give you a oral device to keep it forward. And now we're looking at if your tongue kind of goes back a little bit, stimulating it so it goes forward. These are all ways that we're trying to treat the mechanics of sleep apnea. Where do you see the future of sleep apnea treatment kind of heading? It makes me wonder if there's another, since we've developed all these different approaches so far, is there another way that we could potentially look at addressing sleep apnea? As I think, you know, some of the obvious things which might be, hey, you know, if somebody has a higher level of BMI, working on weight loss or working on exercise, or if they do have some other medical conditions that affect their ability to breathe, those would be great to address. But what other mechanisms do you think we'll find in the future that could also help us to address this? Yeah, um, that's a very good point. Um, so the best way to address obstructive sleep apnea and the best way to treat it, and I, as I would like to tell my patients to get rid of it, is healthy lifestyle. Um, no matter what kind of treatments you do, it all boils down to the, the nutrition and lifestyle. Um, the BMI, which is body mass index, has a very direct correlation with sleep apnea and weight as well. One point increase in BMI increases the risk of obstructive sleep apnea by six times. And the wow. opposite is true. If you drop one point on your BMI, the, the risk of sleep apnea goes down by six times. That's how directly correlated it is. So if you have any symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea, that's your wake-up call to uh, uh, start uh, start working out, uh, start eating healthy, um, the diet control, weight loss, aerobic exercise. These are the uh, best ways uh, to treat obstructive sleep apnea. As far as technology goes, uh, Inspire is the cutting-edge uh, developed 
technology that's available right now uh, to treat sleep apnea. I would assume uh, in the future, I don't know of if any work is being done, similar lines uh, in uh, a more uh, smaller device that goes under the skin uh, without any of our intervention to keep the airway open because really the pathology in obstructive sleep apnea is behind your nose and mouth. Anything to uh, widen that area and keep it open would be the uh, treatment default treatment of choice. And the most natural way to do that is by losing weight. And if you do lose a certain amount of your body weight, you might actually have to be retested yeah. to see if you're still apneic. Yes. So um, 10% of the body weight, um, You, if you lose 10% of body weight, you'll see significant improvement, and that's, that requires to be retested. Um, 20% is the gold standard. If you're able to lose 20% of your body weight, um, there is a very good chance to completely get rid of obstructive sleep apnea. Kind of makes me wonder if we have those devices that now monitor you know, we know that the technology is there to monitor heart rate. We know that there's technology to monitor pulse ox or your oxygen levels. Wouldn't it be great if there was a, the easiest way of all, if everyone had these smart watches and they could just tell you, hey, you have apnea and you should go get this checked out or you don't. I mean, I think the home, the home test actually has been transformative for those people who can't sleep in a lab, mm-hmm. who literally say it doesn't replicate where... Yeah. Where I, what I do at night because it feels weird and I'm not sleeping the same way. So it is a nice way to get to a pretty accurate diagnosis. But if you have a high clinical suspicion for someone having apnea and they do a home test and it's negative, that still doesn't answer your question. Do you think they might be in that 20 to 30 percent of people who it's just not picked up on? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of variables when you do a home sleep study. And we are actually not measuring your sleep to figure out um, if you're having apneas in sleep. Um, So a a, a lot of percentage of uh, people go undiagnosed. In in those uh, people, it's better to bring them into the lab to do a confirmatory test. And what do they do different in the lab? Yeah, so in the lab, the main difference between the lab and the home sleep study is we make sure that you're actually asleep in the lab and we are measuring your breathing in your sleep. So we monitor your brain waves, which helps us differentiate uh, awake state from sleep state. And we will also quantify how much uh, light sleep you are in, how much deep sleep you go into. We also monitor your heart rate with an EKG and we monitor your leg movements as well. All these additional um, apparatus will give us a full picture of what's happening in your sleep. So not only it helps us uh, pinpoint uh, the severity of treatment, uh, sleep apnea, it also gives us an opportunity to treat sleep apnea to give you a taste of how CPAP feels. Uh, many people uh, don't know how what CPAP is and how the pressure feels on the face or how the mask is. The good thing about in-lab sleep study is when you uh, come into the lab, we can put the mask on you and we can give you a different mask if you don't like a certain mask and give you a taste of how CPAP feels. So you can have a first-hand experience and you can know what to expect if CPAP is offered to you. Well, that's a really good point, which is just having that extra hands of somebody who's been down that road and who can help change the mask or do something to help you so that you could figure out what is most comfortable. 
So if someone has signs of snoring and it's not just snoring, but that's one of the symptoms, that could be a sign they need to be tested. If they wake up gasping for air, that's another way that we might have some symptoms to know about it. If your provider says you have to go get tested for sleep apnea, that's another way to do it. And uh, Catherine, if people wanted to get in touch with Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience or get a sleep center consult, how would they do that? They would call us at 261-4476 and just let us know, hey, I'm interested in getting a consult with Dr. Vajala, and we will take care of the rest for you. All right. Well, I want to thank both you and Dr. Vajala right here in person in the studio for sharing your expertise with us today. It really is enlightening to know that apnea is a serious problem and what are some of the consequences of having it not be treated and Boy, somebody telling me I'd have all this extra energy all day long and have all these positive benefits. <laughs> Apnea or not, I want that benefits. All right. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. You can also follow the links on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show.